Y'all's doing good? Good to see everyone here today. Uh, like I said, apologies. Um, first and foremost, for um, my speaking ability today, I've been really sick, really bad. Um, Mitch, I've been like blowing chunks of blood out of my nose this whole week, and it's just been, I've had like, I just have not been good. So I start coughing, and I have like a, like a coughing spell, or something goes incredibly bad up here in front of you guys. I apologize for that. But um, let's go ahead and recap quickly uh, what we've been going through this chapter. Um, it's kind of hot in here. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. Over the last few weeks, we have been seeing Jesus going head-to-head with the Pharisees over traditions versus commandments. And we talked about how they, um, they, they were getting mad because the, the, the disciples were not washing their hands. And the Pharisees were like, hey, you need to wash your hands. And so we talked about that two weeks ago. And then last week we saw Jesus more concerned with the appearance of the heart than the outward appearance of a person. And we said that Jesus was more concerned with the way your heart is versus the way you might look in the outside or the things that, that, that you might do. He's more concerned about what your heart is doing than what your physical body is doing all the time. That's not to say that we shouldn't care about what we do on the outside because whenever we represent Christ, we have to represent Christ at our best. And so people who look at us, they need to look at us and say, that is the, the, the image of Jesus when they look at you. So as a Christian, you're to mimic Christ. And it's hard to mimic Christ when you're not doing things that, 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 that would be Christ-like. And so it does matter what people think about you because people's ultimate uh, understanding of Jesus is based off of the way you are. And that's a lot of pressure. I know, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of pressure, but it's something that we have to do. People will look at you and their opinion of Jesus is based off of how you and me live. That's just the weight we bear. And so I said uh, a couple of things. I said there were some things that do not defile us from the outside as well. And I may have spoke those kind of fast. And uh, maybe some of what I said was left to interpretation. And so I just wanted to say um, if any of you ever has a question about things I say or, or uh, maybe the way I said it, you're like, man, what did Pastor really mean? I mean, feel free. Come talk to me after service. Um, come meet with me. We can talk right after service. We can talk to Missional City Group about it. Whatever it is, or come message me, I will talk or something. Um, but this is, goes without being said here. All of us should be reading our Bibles daily and learning and thinking for ourselves. And so whenever I say something, I don't want you guys to say, well, just because Pastor Felix said it, then that's it. I want you guys to say, well, Pastor Felix said it. That was a very wise thing to say that he read from the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible myself and confirm it in my own spirit. That's what we need to do. Um, For instance, last week I said it's not a sin to have a drink. And I stand by that 100%. It's not a sin to have a drink. But if your spirit inside your body is telling you, if your Holy Spirit is convicting you to not drink at all, then you need to listen to your convictions over what I say. Because ultimately that is God telling you, yeah, it's not a sin to drink, but you, know, you don't need to be drinking. Or it's not a sin to do this, but that's not for you. I, I, I laughed a little bit about tattoos and said, well, some of y'all just need better tattoo artists and stuff, and that's true. But um, for the majority of us, that, that's, a, that's a decision that we have to pray about for a while before just going and doing it. That's, that's a lifelong decision 
Now, I urge you, if, you're, if, you're, if that's a question in your mind, yeah, just pray about that. And see what Jesus says about that to you personally. So, I mean, you know, then we looked at how we are not called to have a heart filled of both sin and Jesus, and we illustrated that with the coffee and the lemonade, and my stomach is still messing up from that. I, th- I believe that's what got me sick, was just drinking both the sin, which was represented by the iced coffee, and then the, the, the Jesus, which is lemonade, and said, we can't combine both together because it, it's just not good. <coughs> and see, and this week, something changes. And we see, we see Jesus all this time doing things for Jews uh, throughout the land. And this week, we see something different. This week, we're going to see Jesus crossing the border. He's going to start healing and doing something around the Gentiles, which is great news for us because we're Gentiles. So let's break into the next section of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 7, verse 24 is where we're going to be at. (coughs) Again, I apologize for the way I might sound today. There's probably a dozen more speakers who could be doing a lot better job of this than me right now. Sit down, John Carlo. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> All right, guys, here we go. Mark 7, verse 24. It says, and from there, okay, where was there? It says, and from there. We need to know where there was because it's just it's what helps us understand the text. There was the, 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 the town of Gennesaret. And Gennesaret was on the Sea of Galilee, and it was a Jewish town. It was primarily Jewish believers in there. And from there, that's what, that's what separates the next part of the Scripture, is because Jesus has been primarily studying and healing and doing all these things around the Sea of Galilee. If you remember in Mark, he would start off on one side, and he goes, then Jesus crossed the shore, and he landed on the shore of blah, blah, blah. And he did all this work there. And then he crossed the boat and he went over to the other side of the sea and he started working over there. Well, this is, this is different because he's going from Gennesaret. And now it says from there, he's going to go someplace else that is not across uh, uh, an ocean, not across the Sea of Galilee. He's going someplace different. He says, um, and from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered the house, and I don't want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. Now let's chat about this for a minute. Jesus decides that after insulting the intelligence of Pharisees and pretty much telling them that everything that they believe is just not right, and they had it wrong this whole time, after extremely just ticking them off, he decides that maybe it's best that I retreat someplace away from these people. Now, he could have gone anywhere. Like I said, he had been in the boat going from shore to shore to from shore to shore. He could have gone anywhere, but he decides, you know what? I'm going to go to Tyre and Sinan, to that, that land over there, which is about 50 miles away from Gennesaret. 50 miles away. 50 miles away. Not too many people decide to go on vacation 50 miles away from where they could be relaxing. Because he was so intent on getting away from these people, he went 50 miles away. Not only did he go 50 miles away, he went 50 miles away into enemy territory. And we mean by enemy territory, Felix. He was going into the land of Gentiles. People who didn't believe like him. 
people who are against his belief, and quite frankly, some of the people who have been really hostile towards people like Jesus. Gentiles were either really, you know, they were kind of skittish of the Jews, or they were really hostile towards the Jews. Jesus decides to go into the hostile Gentile land to get away from the people who are probably just as hostile as he is, uh, uh, towards him as, say, the Gentiles would be. So he goes 50 miles into enemy territory. The Scripture said that he did not want anyone to know about this. So he literally did this undercover. He snuck out away. He didn't want the leaders of of the Jewish Pharisees to know. He didn't want any of the people who had been following him to know. And if you notice, it doesn't say that anyone followed him besides his disciples. So all these Jewish people were following Jesus, saying, we love Jesus, and then Jesus crosses the border, like, oh, we can't cross that border. That, that, that's like no man's land. We're not going over there. And so the, the scripture, if you look at the story in Matthew 15, they use the word, the same story, but they use the word withdrew, which means that he had intentions to rest. When he was going, he was going away to rest. I use those words when I say I, I withdrew to the river walk for a while to get some time away and relax. Or I withdrew to the day spa to have a back massage. And I've never had one of those, and I'm not that girly of a guy. But, you know, something like that. I withdrew to this place to relax. I withdrew to my hiding spot to get away. So Jesus was withdrawing from the people. Now, he could have gone anywhere again, but decided to go here probably for two reasons. One, to get away from the Jewish leaders. We said that, and they were really upset with him. He wanted to hide from them at a place where he knew that they wouldn't follow him. And two, Jesus had plans to meet us woman there. This woman that he's about to meet. Let's keep reading. Verse 25. Pulls up in the house and gets into the house and everything's going good. And then listen to what happens. It says, but immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, that's a demon, had an unclean spirit, heard of him, and came and fell down at his feet. And the woman was a Gentile, a Seraphonician by birth, and she begged him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. So while Jesus and his disciples are gathering in the house, they just got to the hotel. You know that moment where you just get into the hotel and you swipe your card and you walk into the hotel and you're just like, everything's there. You're like getting the bags off the, the little cart and you're trying to unpack and you're thinking like it's all good. All of a sudden, you know, here comes this Seraphonician woman knocking on your door. I can just imagine the guys are like, man, just, they, they just can't get a break. And so they're over there unpacking, and all of a sudden, knock, knock on the door. Here comes this woman, and she's like, please heal my daughter. Please take care of my daughter. This is a testimony to the fame of Jesus, by the way. I mean, Jesus Christ has been primarily stuck around the Sea of Galilee his whole ministry. And yet, a woman 50 miles away in enemy territory who does not believe in Jesus, or the people around her don't believe in Jesus, is... They, they're hearing about this guy. His fame is spreading all over the land. And she hears about him. She must have heard about how he healed the, the, the beggar one day when they lowered the guy through the roof. She must have heard about how he, he healed the, uh, the, uh, the officer's daughter. And he must have heard uh, about how he healed that lady who was bleeding for all those years. She must have heard all these stories about Jesus. And here he is out of nowhere in her hometown 
And she has one chance to go talk to him, and she goes and she takes it. Just a little background about Jews and Gentiles, though, to help you guys out. Uh, they were pretty much against each other. I mean, nonstop rivalries. From the day one, they just did not like each other. Um, they're kind of like rivalries that go on throughout time, kind of like Coke and Pepsi. Like, if you're either going to be a Coke drinker, you're going to be a Pepsi drinker. You don't drink both, okay? Um, Hatfields and McCoys, those two families were feuding for years and years and years. One of the longest-running American family feuds of all times. Um, McDonald's and Burger King, uh, two other rivalries that over the years have just kind of upped the ante on each other. You have the Big Mac and you have the, the, the Whopper. I mean, you have two different things going on. Um, Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, they hate each other with all good right. I mean, because we have five Super Bowls and they don't even have any. And so there's, there's some hatred there. There's something there that um, it stirs up and there's rivalries. And it was that bad between Jew and Gentile that they were hating each other that bad. <coughs> it was so bad that the Jews would come up with derogatory names for the Gentiles. And they would call the Gentiles different words. Um, in fact, one word that they would call Gentiles was dogs. And they used the word in, in the Hebrew, it was the word kunans. Now, not to be you know, confused with Klingons if you're a Star Trek nerd, but Kunan. Y'all say with me, Kunan. Kunan. Y'all gonna walk into your, to your, uh, to your work on Monday and be like, hey, did you see the Kunan outside? It was like eating at that dead roadkill out in the street. That Kunan. Now the word Kunan literally meant a wild dog that scavenged around the land and just destroyed stuff. I mean, this would be like the stray dog that's always going from ranch to ranch, picking off chickens and small young calves. I remember one time my mom called me and she said, we just had these two baby calves born at the ranch. They were so adorable. They were twins. I mean, it's very rare to have twin calves, right? And so we're all rejoicing. And then she called me the next day. She was like, right, mijo, I pulled up to the house and there was this stray dog eating one of the calves. It had killed one of the calves. And she was, would you come over and kill the dog? And so I ended up, we spent the night at the, at, at, at the ranch and I ended up seen the dog like at four in the morning, and I took a shot, and I killed that dog. It was a stray dog. It was a rabid stray dog. It was a wild mutt whose only intent is to live for itself and kill stuff. Um, figuratively speaking, the kunan actually meant a spiritual predator who fed off of others. And so these Jews would call Gentiles, you guys are like predators who just feed off each other. You just go from one person to another person, you're just feeding off each other. This is how bad Jews looked at Gentiles. And so there was really not much love for Gentiles coming from Jews. You got to understand and realize this because the distance that this woman had to go to even talk to Jesus was huge. I mean, she was a Gentile. He was a Jew. That was one big hurdle that she had to jump through. She wasn't supposed to talk to Jesus because he was a Jew. And he would insult her. He might be rude to her. He might, he might say bad things to her. Another thing was uh, he was a man and she was a woman. Women did not speak to men at that time freely. The other hurdle that, that, that she had to cross is that Jesus was renowned as a teacher. And so for a mere peasant to speak to a, a, a teacher of spiritual you know, leadership, to speak to someone of that high authority was almost unheard of. I mean, women were put to death for doing stuff like that. 
So she had to risk everything just to get to Jesus. She had to risk it all just to get to there. And of course, the biggest one is she's a Gentile, he's a Jew. And all she knows about Jews is that they're rude, mean, and they call them dogs. And I know what you're thinking, this is Jesus though. Jesus is, is loving. Jesus is, is all love. He would never say anything against these people. He would never call them dogs. Well, let's keep reading verse 27. And so she comes up and she, she's begging to be healed, to, to, to cast the demon out of her daughter. And verse 27 says, And he said, and Jesus said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take from the children's bread and throw it to, what's that word? Dogs. Like y'all's jaws should be like dropped right now. This woman comes to Jesus and she says, please heal my daughter. Please, she is sick. She is possessed by a demon. Please heal her. And he's like, you know what? It's not right for me to take the bread from the children and throw it to the dogs. Oh, man. That is rough. Now Jesus looks like he's being rude to this lady. And I thought the same thing that you guys might have thought of, that, that she was just being really rude at this point. But Jesus uses the phrase, throw it to the dogs, and that's true, but we don't even know how he said it. We don't know if he was kind of smirking when he said it, if he was kind of smiling a little bit when he said, um, throw it to the dogs. You know, he didn't know if he was kind of like, hey, <laughs> kind of like throwing it to the dogs, you know. We, we don't know how he said that. But what we do know is what he said. He literally said, it is not right for me to take bread out of my children and throw it to the dogs. The other thing I learned is that Jesus didn't use the word kunon for dog. He uses another word for dog. The word kunarion. Y'all say that with me. Kunarion. Kunarion. Which means a little domesticated indoor cute puppy dog like Maverick over there. Yeah. A little dog. A little dog that is cute. A little dog that is domesticated. That is a good dog. That's not this mange infested, tick infested, wild, you know, scavenger dog killing off innocent chickens and stuff off from the land. No, this is the type of dog that would be in a, in a place of honor in a household. This is the type of dog that was a pet, that was a puppy, it was cute. And so literally Jesus is saying, hey, it's not right for me to take food out of the kid's mouth and give it to the puppy dog. So when you read it again like that and you really research what he was saying, it takes on a whole new light. I want you also to notice that he never told the woman no. He just said not now. He never told the woman no, 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 no. Like it's not right for me to take food and then let the dogs have it. No, I'm not going to do anything for your daughter. He just said that phrase. He said, not now. And I want us to focus on that today. The idea that we can ask something of Jesus and he has the right as Jesus to tell us no or not now. That Jesus can tell us no to something or not now. Because that can happen, you know. Jesus does answer all of our prayers, but he does not have to answer them the way that we expect them to be answered. The word no is an answer in and of itself. And so when we pray and God and Jesus says, no, 
He still answered your prayer, just not the way you wanted to. Sometimes we have to ask and keep asking to get those prayers answered the way we feel like we want them. We have to give it time. We can't just expect things to happen when we want them to happen. If you read this story in the Gospel of Matthew, it actually says that she asked Jesus a few times, and his initial answer was just silence. He ignored the woman. Jesus, please heal my daughter, heal my daughter. And he's like, please heal my daughter, heal my daughter. He's just just there like ignoring her. And in fact, in the account of Matthew, when Matthew tells the story, he says that the disciples were so annoyed by the woman nagging and nagging Jesus that the disciples told Jesus, hey, JC, dude, do something about this chick. Like, she's like, are we going to do something about her? Because she's like nagging, and we want to rest, and as soon as we get her out here, the sooner the better. I mean, how many guys have done that? You've, you've, you've prayed and hear nothing. You pray and you hear nothing from God. God, please, please guide me through these storms of my life. God, please, I'm just struggling. God, please guide me. Crickets. Crickets. It's nothing. Other times, like, God, please, my loved one is sick and dying. Please heal my loved one. Heal the, the one I love. I want them to stay here with me. Please heal the loved one. Crickets. The more silence. God, please, please, God, please. I just, I need to find a job. I need to do this. I need to do that. Please help me make my life better. Please, Lord, please speak to me, Lord, right now. Let me, let me just receive your spirit. Let me listen. Crickets again. And nothing, and nothing. God has a bigger and greater plan for us that we can't see most of the time. His plans are bigger and greater, and sometimes when he, uh, he answers us in silence, it's not because he's trying to be mean to us. It's not because he's trying to correct us or, or, or just kind of be angry against us. It's because he knows better for us. He has better and bigger plans for us. He knows why he's doing that. He knows. And so sometimes whenever we we, we, we pray to God, please, please guide me through the storms of this life. Please help me get through my struggles right now. And, and we hear silence, and God's up there thinking, um, but you got to grow up sometime, bub. Like, you made your bed, you're going to lay in it for a while. Like, if I'm just to bail you out of every time you get in trouble, you're never going to learn to, like, step up for your screw-ups. And you're going to go through some hell right now because you messed up, and that's your own fault. And if I was just to bail you out, what kind of a God would that be? If I just bail you out all the time, you need to struggle a little bit and learn to appreciate me and what I've given you. That's what God thinks about sometimes. But all we hear is silence, and we think God's angry at us or something. God, please, God, please heal my dying loved one in the hospital. They are sick and they are dying. Please heal them. I want them to be healed. And we hear silence, and God's up there thinking, um, yeah, but, but you just, you selfishly want them here. But I want them as well. Yeah, you want them to be healed just so you can have them here on earth, but I want them here in heaven with me 
And to be honest with you, being in heaven with Jesus is a lot better than being on earth with the best person in the world. And sometimes we have to accept the fact that God wants to take his children home. And we have to just respect that and honor that and still praise him for that. It doesn't make sense to us, but he's got a greater plan. Something bigger and better. Sometimes he wants us to to get to the point where we really truly long for him. Like, we really, truly long for Jesus, and that's why sometimes he, he meets us with answers like silence, or he meets us with answers that don't make sense to us. When he says, like, you know, the crumbs falling from the table, like, what is that all about? I don't understand what answer to the prayer that, you know, I don't understand that. And sometimes he wants us to just long for him more, to just really want him more than just the common question. I get it all the time when I counsel people. They come to me like, oh, Pastor, oh, baby, please, Pastor, man, man, my marriage is going so bad. Or, man, I, I'm, I'm really struggling with understanding how to, like, live with her and, like, how to make things right and how, you know, our marriage is crumbling. Or, man, Pastor, I really am struggling with, 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 with this, this, this addiction, this struggle I have, this, this love for this substance, whatever it is. And, and I just don't know what to do, Pastor. I'm like, well, have you prayed? Oh, yeah, I prayed. I'm like, no, 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 no. Have you prayed? Yeah, I prayed, Pastor. I'm like, let me rephrase that. Have you really, really prayed? Like, are you really, really praying? Like, are you praying to where you say, like, like when, when you get alone with God and you're alone with Him, are you really seeking His, His presence and His guidance in your life? Or are you simply just walking around saying, God, please help me with my marriage? Or you're just uh, before bed, God, please, you know, I love you, God, blah, 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 you know, we're going to pray. But are you seriously just at any point in your time, or have you ever felt so desperate enough for Jesus to where you literally would just get on your knees and just put your face to the ground and pray and pray for him to do a miracle in your life to where tears were coming down your face? Have you gotten to the point where you've desperately needed Jesus? Because I guarantee not many of us have. We pray to Jesus, and we ask Him to do all these things for us, but we've never gotten to the point where we even want to get on our hands and knees and pray for Him or pray to Him and be in tears over Him. We, the truth is we don't want Him that much. We don't really want Him that much because if we did, we would be praying like that in desperate prayers. It hit me the other day that I was like that. I was feeling sick last night, and I was like, I'm feeling it, you know, and I haven't prayed like that for a while. And I know that we've been going through a lot of struggles here. Uh, you know, this week we've been going through a lot of struggles. <coughs> I know that if I'm going through struggles, I've heard that some of the other people have been in the hospital. I mean, I mean, I mean poor Heather's dad was hit by a truck. I mean, who does that? You know, was hit by a truck. And, 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 like, there's so much pain and struggles and going on. And I was thinking that last night, I was like, I haven't prayed enough for my people. And so last night, I found some time. I got on my hands, my knees, and I put my hands together and on my face. I just prayed for you guys. I was, like, praying for every one of you guys by name. And I was just there really praying and seeking God's face and just carving some time out of my day to devote straight to prayer. And to feel a desperate need for him to do something. The last two weeks have been incredible here in Impact City. We've seen so many amazing things happen. So many things I can't even tell you about. I mean, just because of, 
confidentiality things, but I mean, I just want to let you know, God is really moving. But I really felt that whenever I see God moving, I feel the enemy comes in and he tries to distract us. And when I say we're going to stay focused and rely on him this year, and the enemy's going to do so many things to make us lose focus from God, he's going to do so many things to make us not rely on God and try to rely on other things. We need to stay focused and relying on God this year. We need to be praying for a desperate need for, for God. And this is exactly what the woman does here. She prays and she says that no matter what happens, Lord, she's on her knees, no matter what happens, I just want any amount of you, Lord, any amount of you will do in my life. Just whatever it takes, just whatever you give me, I want that, Lord. I want that. And, she's, and she prays like that. Here in, uh, in verse 28, it says, uh, he says, let the children be fed first and then the right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs is what Jesus tells her. She, and she answers like this. And I don't know if she answers kind of a sarcastic answer or she answers kind of a desperate answer. But she says this. She says, but she answered him, yes, Lord. Which is huge, by the way. For her to call him Lord, that's huge. Because she's a Gentile. She doesn't have to call him Lord. To her, this is just some other guy. But for some reason, she realizes that Jesus Christ is Lord. That she has given everything to him. In her eyes, she is so desperate that Jesus is the last option for her. That is all that she has. And she has surrendered everything to him. And she says, yes, Lord. Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord of my life. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go away. And the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child laying in the bed. And the demon was gone. Do you see what she did here? Or do you see what happened here? She said, I, I, I get it, Jesus. Like, I, I, I understand that I'm a Gentile. I understand that I'm not good enough to be eaten at the table with you. I understand that I'm not good enough to be around you. I really shouldn't even be here right now, Lord. I understand that the way things go, I'm not even worthy to even be in this room, in this presence around you. But at the very least, at the very least, would you allow me the honor and the privilege and the blessing to at least be able to lay on the floor next to you in hopes that I will be blessed by one crumb of your blessing down so I can partake in that blessing. Like, I don't care. I, don't want, I, I know that, that's, that, that I, want, I, I want the big picture, but I am so in love and in awe of you, Lord, that I will take just the tiniest amount of you and be grateful for that. Many of us don't want that. Many of us want the 100%, the top quality blessings. The, we want the, the extra hundreds in our wallets and we want to be able to just kind of throw cash around and just be so rich and, and so blessed that we don't have to worry about anything. We can just buy whatever we want whenever we want. We want to have so much you know, in our lives. We want the best of the best in every area of our life. And that's what we pray for. God, I want this. God, he's, you know, we do the whole Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, like, you know, you know, the whole prayer where we see God expand, 
you know, and I know the plans I have for you, plans not to, you know, all this, and I know all those things, and I want God to just bless me, and God take care of me, and give me the best of everything, and you know what, sometimes when you pray for that, and God gives you a silent answer, and he doesn't give you the nice, you know, brand new car in the driveway that you think you deserve, and he doesn't give you the things that you want, and he doesn't give you, you know, the answer prayers that you want, you say the heck with you, God, and I don't want anything to do with you, God, if you can't answer my prayers, how are you supposed to be a good God? We're not willing to thank him for the little things that he has already blessed us with. The fact that, that we have things. Luke 16.10, I don't even think it's up there. He says that one who is faithful in the, in the very little is also faithful in the much. And the one who is dishonest in the little is also dishonest in the much. So if we are not grateful in the little things that God has given us, how can we expect to be grateful and receive bigger and better blessings in our life if we're not able to even give Him praise and thanks for the little things in our lives? How can we give Him praise and thanks for allowing us to have this big, awesome feast of blessings if we can't even give Him praise for the crumb of a blessing that He gives us? And that's the woman here. She's willing to do that. We should be simply praising Him for allowing us to live here. Allowing us to live here in America where we don't have to worry about going to church and worshiping someone else without getting shot because of our faith. We should be praising Him because we have health care. We should be praising that we're able to go to hospitals. We should be praising Him because we're able to, to take medicine and we're able to afford that. We should be praising Him that we have a roof over our heads. We should be giving Him praise for the breath in our lungs. That the breath in our lungs is, is, is a gift. that It wasn't there when you were born. You were born in goo. And when you came out, God started your heartbeat. We should praise Him for the beat of your heart. He started your heart to start thumping and your lungs to start pumping. And it brought air from the outside into you. It was a gift. And many of us don't praise Him for that. We get so into our problems and what life is doing to us and we totally forget to praise Him for those things. We should give Him praise for the warmth of the sun in our face. There are some people who, who live in such cold climates that they never get to feel the warmth of sun on their face. There's slavery in parts of this world where people literally don't come outside for years because they're stuck inside of brothels and they're made to work day in, day out, and they are in prison, and they don't get to see the sun. We should give them thank you for the praise uh, for the sun being on your face. We should give them thanks for the feeling of a loved one's touch. When your husband or your wife or your mom or dad gives you a hug, we should give thanks that we're able to do that and we're healthy enough to feel that touch. Hearing your child laugh, we should give them thanks for allowing us to hear our children laugh. There is nothing that fills my heart more than being in our bedroom or in the living room or in the kitchen and hearing Ryan, Zach, or Skyler laughing their butts off at some video or something that the other kid did. And hearing that laughter just fills my heart with so much joy. And I see the presence of God there because I, I, I God's blessing me with that. Some parents don't have the, the ability to hear their children laugh. 
because their children are suffering through some type of disease, or their children are, 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 are have, have something going on, they can't physically laugh. We take those things for granted in our lives. These are the things that matter. And then the sound of this woman's daughter's laughing again is what caused her to look at Jesus and say, at any amount, Lord, I want to surrender to you, and whatever you can give me will be enough. She said, I want you, Jesus, at any amount. I want to hear my daughter laugh again. I want to hear my daughter. I want to be able to hug my daughter again. She's possessed by a demon. I got to keep her locked up in a room. I mean, she's, I can't even see my daughter anymore in that face. She cuts herself and she, she breaks bones and she rips hair out of her face. She is just, she's a monster, Lord. I just want my daughter back and whatever you can give me, I want that. See, many of us aren't even willing to pray like that. But we have to. Give thanks to God for every little thing that we have in this life like this woman did. If we do that, he is faithful to honor us with that. Let's pray. God, just thank you so much. God, we just want to give you thanks for everything. Lord, we just ask for your forgiveness. We just ask for your forgiveness, and we know that sometimes that we, we get so caught up with trials of this world, we get so caught up with the stress of this world, and we don't understand why things are happening the way they are. We don't, we don't stop to give praise and thanks for what you're doing in our life. Will you forgive us for that? Will you forgive us for our selfishness? Just forgive us for all those times that we don't acknowledge you in our life. God, will you just give us a humble heart to give thanks for what we have. The world may be falling down around us, but Lord, we still have you. Lord, we still have each other. We still have our children. We still have the breath in our lungs. And as long as we have you, Lord, there is hope in our lives for more. We thank you so much, Lord. We praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, all God's people said.